Hi there and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. We are two die-hard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. We're real, family-friendly and positive. So get involved. Get involved. Mitchell, how has your week been, my friend? It has been good. No rugby this week. It's been a bit unusual. Well, no international rugby, I should say. With Australia playing, you mean? Because there were a yes. couple of Six Nations games over in Europe. I was Europe about to say that as well. I was like, I can't say there's been no rugby because that's not true. We've had finals in the Shoot Shield. We've had Six Nations or Autumn Cup, Nations Cup sort of pre. No, no, it's Six Nations. It's the end of the previous competition before they get into the Autumn Nations Cup. Right. Um, but so were there, there were some friendlies. The Wasn't there friendlies as well? Yeah, yeah. And there were yeah. friendlies as well. Yep. Yeah. So it was a bit of all over the place over in Europe and there was a game cancelled against the Barbarians and all kinds of things. So yeah, but there has been rugby. <laughs> there has been. But it has, been, has been a good week. I'll say that. Did you watch the uh, NRL final? I did. I did. Um, what do you think? Look, I just, it can't compare to rugby union at all. It was boring by most standards of one out running. I mean, the referee sort of decided to make it a little bit tighter at the end there. But apart from that, it was quite a boring. Oh, come game. on. They were pretty legitimate send-offs. They were both professional fouls. Oh, yeah. Um, the thing that I found, I, I only watched the last 20 minutes of the game, which everyone tells me were the best 20 minutes of the game. And I just flicked it on because I thought, oh, I should probably watch it. So I've got something to talk to with my colleagues at work on Monday. <laughs> and... I was just watching it and maybe because it was the final 20 minutes of the game, the players were tired or something. I don't know, but I just found their attacking patterns were so basic yeah. and there wasn't really any complexity in the way that the game was being played. So when they're trying to do any attacking moves in the back line, it's just run up, shuffle it along, engage a defense, shuffle it along, engage a defense and hope you get on the outside shoulder of a slower player. That was it. It wasn't any really nice underlines getting on the weak shoulder of a player. Like it was just, I don't know. It was just so basic. And it just reminded me again of why I don't really watch it anymore. Yeah. I, I will, one thing I will say is Vunuvalu, the uh, winger oh, for, yeah. the, um, yep. Yep. for the Melbourne Storm, who's coming to the Queensland Reds next year, was very good. So mm. that was exciting. We were chatting. I was watching with my family and we were sort of discussing whether, you know, does, does he push for an, a Wallabies jersey? this time next year or not. I don't think he's quite there. He, he, did you see the, you, have you seen the highlights of the game? I saw his intercept. Yeah, I saw the, the highlight of his intercept try. Yeah. So I, we were having a discussion, discussion around that. And I was saying he's a big boy. So he's quite tall. If you compare yep. him to Corabetti, who's probably got a similar skill set, I still think Corabetti's faster. Yeah. He's built lower to the ground as well. He's probably got a yeah. better change of direction. So when he took off on that run, like he was doing well and he was fast, but I just think mm. I could see Cora Betty chasing him down. <laughs> well, mate, we've got into things pretty quickly already. Uh, why don't you run through our social media before we just let everybody know what we're doing this week? Yeah, so we are on Instagram at hashtag pick underscore drive underscore rugby. We are on Facebook at a page called Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. And we're also on Twitter at at pick underscore drive rugby. So we're getting pretty vocal on all of those platforms. Um, we'd like to hear from all of you via those different mediums, whichever one you prefer, uh, and get involved. Awesome. Thanks, mate. So tonight what we're going to be doing is three things. The main part of the episode is going to be an interview that we conducted a couple of weeks ago with the Eastwood hooker, Ed Craig. And it's pretty exciting to know that he is through to the grand final of the Shoot Shield competition this 
coming weekend. So it's awesome that we've got to have this interview with him prior to the kind of finals hitting their peak. And that'll be the main part we'll do last. But before that, we'll quickly run through some spicy news from the week, as well as just a brief recap of the Bledisloe Cup game three, like a preview of it. Um, we did speak about it last week when we had our chat with Mitch Evans or Rev. We spoke about what we were expecting for game three, but with a bit more of an idea of the weather conditions, some of the changes to the squads, we thought we'd just briefly touch on it again, but we're not going to do that in depth. So is there anything you want to say before we jump into the news, Mitch? I don't think so. Let's get into the news. All right, straight into the news. Why don't you lead us off, buddy? All right. So we've had a few bits of news come out this week. Um, Some domestic signings, some domestic releases. Uh, And the biggest one I think that we'll start off with is Pocock has officially announced he's retiring from rugby effective immediately. The game is over. There is no point following rugby anymore. The king has gone. The emperor has left. Like It's just David Pocock is probably my favorite rugby player of all time. Um, Mostly because he was at the peak of his career when I started really getting into rugby. Yeah. And he's just like an incredible human being, both on and off the field. He's yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, the game. Great player, even better person. Yes, like 100% just an even better person. That's what everybody says about him. Not even just the adoring fans that see this persona from the outside, but the people that know him, the people that interact with him. Like that story of how in the Rugby World Cup final against New Zealand, when the game ends, Australia's just lost, and the first person to say thank you, sir, for a great game was to Nigel Owens was David Pocock who's just lost his one chance. Like that story gets trotted out all the time, but it's just an indication of the character of the man. Um, So he's a massive loss to the game. It is. It's sad. It's sad to hear that he's going. So there there was talks he was going to play on in Japan this year. Um, And with the whole sort of COVID situation, I think he's just decided at this time that it's best to end his career where it is and and move on to his sort of humanitarian and conservation work uh, and move into that full time. So yeah, a bit sad we won't see him running around for Japan or in Japan this year. But um, yeah, we wish him all the best in his next sort of pursuits outside of rugby. Yeah. So he's doing a Masters of Sustainable Agriculture Yeah. Uh, at the moment. And have you been, do you follow him on Instagram? Yeah, I think so. I follow he's a lot of people. He's beast, mate. The other day, he's, he's obviously hanging out with some mates wherever he is. And he just puts on, oh yeah, somebody thought it'd be a good idea to get some exercise by carrying these rocks to some location. And so it's just this picture of him and a couple of mates with these massive rocks on their shoulders. He's got his shirt off. He's still absolutely ripped like he was playing rugby. Um, and he's, he's still doing it now. He's still as chiseled and physically ready now as he was as a professional rugby player, which just speaks volumes about the man. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever read his, his autobiography that he released a few years ago. No, not yet. You haven't? No, it's it's a good read. I've got it. I'll I'll blend it to you sometime. But um, yeah, in that there's a big there's a big thing around why he wrote that book was that when he first came out to Australia from Zimbabwe, um, where his family relocated, he became quite obsessed with his body and sort of perfecting it to the peak physical feats that he could get it to, um, to the point where he would sort of weigh every single thing he ate he would have to do like 150 push-ups every night before getting into bed get up at 5 a.m and go for runs and doing all of this crazy stuff um and even all the way through his rugby career he was still sort of regimented straight through to that routine um and it only sort of came towards the last few years he's really started to relax that 
Um, but it's mm-hmm. still definitely in there in his personality and his sort of obsession with his body. So yeah, interesting read that one. Fascinating. All right, keen to borrow it, but let's keep moving on. All right, so the Waratahs have announced two new signings for next year and both of them happen to be locks, which is not surprising, I guess, considering we've lost all of all of our lockings all of our locks or locking standard stocks for this year. So the first one is Sam Wikes, who is a New South Wales Welshman, uh, born and raised, has been around a bit. He's played for the Western Force for a bit. I think he's most recently been playing for um, the Sunwolves. Sorry, just had a mind blank. Um, yeah, so he was Panasonic Wild Knights and Sunwolves, was involved with Perth Spirit for NRC as well. Yeah. Um, so he's he's been around a bit. He's a bit of a journeyman player. Um, in that he was at the force and then in Japan, but never really kind of cracked it beyond there. Um, but he at least is experienced. Did we mention last week that Tom Staniforth is going to Japan? Did we say that last week? I think we might have, but that okay, that's good. what I was kind of alluding to before and that we've lost yeah. Tom Staniforth, we've lost Ned Hannigan, we've lost um, Rob Simmons. So we've got no locks and they've just announced these two guys this week as a kind of replacement. Yeah. So the first one's Sam Wikes and then, sorry, my page isn't loading. The second one is, um, his name's Sam Caird and he is a New Zealand player who's played under 20s for New Zealand and he's been sort of come through the, the Auckland Blues Academy. So it's an interesting signing this one. I'm not too sure how successful he will be. Not to say that he's not a great player, but surely we could have had some domestic players that we could pick out a shoot shield to fill that spot, not relied on an under-20s New Zealand player from a few years ago. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, he's pretty young. He's only 24. Um, I just hope that there are some more players coming through the Waratahs Academy that could really step up. I'd almost prefer they get in like a 22, 23-year-old Aussie-eligible um, player and just, just accept that our locks are going to be weak. Um, Wikes will hopefully do well and bring a bit of experience, but just kind of start a nursery for our locks. And then in two or three years, we can be a lot happier with our position. Hopefully if Hannigan comes back after a year or Staniforth comes back after a year, it makes you really appreciate Staniforth now, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. I I wonder (laughs) if, um, I wonder if Rob Penny has sort of looked at the, the players that he's got coming through and he's just not confident in any of those players, particularly being, able to start for the Waratahs come round one next year. And yeah. that might be why he's just, he's named this player. He, 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 I don't know specifically if he's got too much experience with him, particularly he, maybe he's, he's coached him before in the past and he knows that he's a good player and that he's ready for super rugby and he's not quite had that experience yet. So he's giving him that shot. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I think I would say that he's probably looking for someone to be super rugby ready to, to start that spot for the year and then maybe have a backup one or two players that he will bring through in the academy. Well, it's going to be an area of weakness no matter what. So let's keep on rolling then. The big, a big announcement for the Melbourne Rebels was that Billy Meeks is going to be leaving the club. And he's been there for three years. He's been a really solid player at number 12. At the end of last season, um, previous season, he was on the edge of a Wallabies call-up, um, was playing fairly well. But he's never really seemed to kind of nail down his position and really have a consistent run of high quality performance. Um, there hasn't been an announcement yet of exactly where he's going. Our guess is Japan because everybody's going to Japan, mm-hmm. but it hasn't yet been proven. Um, I wonder if he potentially could be coming to the Waratahs. I mean, there's no guarantee that he's going overseas. Yeah. My, um, my brother said <laughs> when this was announced, my brother sent me a message saying, Oh, have you heard who the Waratahs have just signed? I was like, no. 
And then he sent me the link of Billy Meeks being released from the Rebels. I was like, no, please, please, no. <laughs> and he's like, no, nah, I'm just kidding. But maybe, maybe. Yeah, I wonder like, what Carmichael Hunt's doing. Like he's up in Queensland. Yeah, at the we, we were actually, I was talking to Tim about this um, over the weekend as well as we were watching the Gordon first grade game um, as they made their way into the final, which we'll talk about shortly. But Carmichael Hunt has been, has signed with Gordon for the last two years. So he hasn't played any shoot shield this year which is quite unusual. He wasn't injured at the end of the season. Yeah. That sort of made us wonder, maybe he's off. We know he's off contract, but maybe he's not been renewed at all for next year. And he's therefore not playing shoot shield because he hasn't got that obligation to the Waratahs to play for the, for their clubs. And next year he's either going overseas or he's who knows where he's going, but yeah, it's interesting. I just think it's ridiculous with all the loss of experience that they're getting from Hooper and Simmons and Hannigan and Staniforth all going like those are probably our foremost experienced players. Oh, and Robertson as well. Like take out all of them and Carmichael Hunt. Who are the experienced heads that are going to be guiding the team around? Like you keep Carmichael there as a mentor. Oh my God, no. <laughs> and you, you like Jack Maddox is great, but he's not a leader. And right. you need someone that's more steady than Maddox to be able to guide Jake things. Gordon? Like, yeah. Okay. One player. Like one player, it basically Robbie highlights it, your prediction of Jake, of Jake Gordon. Stop fishing. Stop stop pushing my buttons. Um, it makes you think that your prediction, it makes me think that your prediction of Jake Gordon being the captain for the Waratahs next year may actually come true. Oh, I, I hope not. I don't know. So anyway, you've heard it here first. Billy Meeks coming to the Waratahs. Let's keep going because somehow and he'll we'll be captain as well. The Waratahs. <laughs> um, we'll just talk about the Waratahs all night. Uh, now the other points in news we wanted to quickly touch on. Actually, why don't you talk about Shoot Shield? Yes, yeah, so Shoot then we'll Shield. Talk about some of we the had the, stuff. Yeah, so we had the two um, semifinals of the Shoot Shield this weekend. On Saturday, Gordon played uh, Eastern Eastern Suburbs um, with Jack Maddox in their stocks. To uh, Jack Maddox was released from Wallabies camp to play in this game at fullback. Um, Gordon ended up winning quite convincingly in the end. It was quite tight at halftime, but they came through and they've made their way into the grand final, which is the first time they've been in the Shoot Shield grand final since 1998. So this is very exciting for all of the um, Gordon supporters, which I happen to be one of. Um, and then on Sunday, Eastwood played Northern Northern Suburbs. Um, in a very wet and damp and horrible conditions to be playing rugby. It really probably should have been called off. Um, but it was 60, six all at, at full time. They played an additional 20 minutes where Northern Suburbs had two shots at goal and, and didn't get them. Um, Eastwood had one, so they ended up going through. Actually, no, I think they both got one because the final score was 12-9. But um, yeah, Eastwood has, gone, has made their way through to the grand final and they'll be playing Gordon next weekend at three o'clock before the final, uh, before the Bledisloe Cup being played out at um, ANZ Stadium. So big game Super of rugby exciting. next weekend. Yeah, lots of rugby on the horizon, which is absolutely wonderful. Go um, the Staggies. And congratulations to everybody involved. So you've got the connection to Eastwood, but because we've had the opportunity to meet and chat with Ed Craig from Eastwood, I kind of want Eastwood to win now. So I'll, I'll back Eastwood and you can back uh, Gordon. Stags and we'll see how things go. Go the Gordon, the mighty Gordon. Go the mighty Woodies. Yeah, yeah that's definitely the what they're, Is that what they're called? Yeah, they're, that's I know cool. so much. Oh, I'm going to start getting into it. Um, now that I'm knowing more and the clutch TV app is yeah, awesome. It is great. Um, it's great. I actually found out one of my mates from work is his father's involved with kind of the setting up and the um, creation of the app. So people who are listening, if you can't watch it on TV, maybe you're out and about, go to your app store on your iPhone and go clutch C L U C H TV and download it. And it's actually really good quality. L U T C H. 
No, 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 it's not. It's not? Um, okay. They weirdly spell it different for some reason. Okay. It's C-L-U-C-H. Okay. Um, yeah, don't worry. And I it's free. I thought that as well. And it's free, it's completely free. free. Yeah. Don't. It's, it's easy as to use. Now, right. Wallabies news. Um, and this will lead us really nicely into the Bledisloe Cup Game 3 preview. So we've had two... Um, we've had an announcement that Izzy Nicerani and Connell McInerney have been called up to the Wallaby squad. And Connell McInerney has been called in to... I'm not sure if he's replacing Tom Horton from the Waratahs because of injury. There's nothing, and I've asked around, nobody knows why Horton has left the squad. Mm. Maybe it's injury. Maybe he wasn't at the level because he's still quite young and raw that um, that Dave Rennie and the team were hoping him to be at. But either way, McInerney's been called up, which is good. Um, We've raided him for a while. And there are a lot of Brumby supporters out there that think he could well be first choice for the Brumbies. So that's a good decision for him. And Izzy Nicerani. This one is an interesting point. So let's chat about this before we get yep. into the game itself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's what are big your points thoughts on like Izzy Nicerani being... Actually, what... Okay, let's start with Conor McInerney because I spoke yep. about it first and then we'll jump to Izzy. I've got the same point about both of these players potentially. And I think it's because if you look at the, um, the hooking spot for the Wallabies over the last two games, neither of the hookers that started... So first we had... Um, Flafayenga, and then last week we had Brandon Pangramosa. Flafayenga was probably, oh, sorry, Brandon Pangramosa probably had a more rounded game than Flafayenga in game one, um, but he still made some simple errors that cost us quite dearly in terms of scoring points. So I just don't think we've had a, a, a very settled performance from a hooker so far. And I wonder if Dave Rennie's just, and, and it's the same with the back row. I, I haven't, my, my thought is that, Dave Rennie's got a picture or a, a style of play that he wants from his forward pack. And I don't think he's getting that, which is why he's starting to name move players around a lot. And he's said in the media this week that going into game three, we need to win it. And so the best way to do that is to change the personnel in the team. Um, that's why I wonder if he's bringing Izzy Nicerani and Connell McInerney in because the, the players that are currently in the team aren't doing what he wants and he's not getting the pitches that he wants. So he's just looking for someone else to bring that that new sort of spark in. It's an interesting one because we were all um, really confused when Izzy Nicerani wasn't called up. So I think we had done kind of our Wallaby squad predictions well in advance or Wallaby's team. And most of most pundits out there, armchair, armchair experts, had Izzy Nicerani as your starting number eight mostly and then he wasn't even in the entire like 44 man squad 42 yeah yeah 44 man squad and it was just absolutely incredible he's not one of the best 44 players of in australian rugby supposedly um now Izzy Nasrani had an injury over the off season came back not meeting the fitness and weight expectations for the melbourne rebels so he was kept out by dave vessel at the beginning of the super season and then we wonder if that was a similar thing for the Wallaby squad. Dave Rennie said that he had a, that Izzy Nasrani had a couple of things that he needed to be working on. Maybe he has achieved those work-ons that he was set. And as a result has now been invited into the squad because we had those two spots in the squad that were free. Yeah. They were meant to be going to overseas players to shore up our locking depth. That was the general assumption, but with Rory Arnold being injured and um, the, Pro 14 competition ongoing, top 14 competition ongoing. That just didn't really seem to be any standout players that we would bother bringing back. So maybe they've just gone, well, stuff it. We don't need those overseas players. Let's just use what we've got and bring a couple of Australian-based players back in. We've still got one spot open. So they've yeah, got we do, Tom Horton, Horton and they've replaced yeah. Connell McInerney. Yeah. 
we've got Izzy Nicerani, who's now 45, 45th man. We still potentially have that spot. So we might see uh, a hooker being called up. Maybe Tatafu Pilota now playing fourth grade on the blind side <laughs> flank. It might be lining up um, for the Wallabies next weekend. That would be the best thing ever uh, in, in the history of rugby union. How cool would that be? Or, or I was going to say maybe Tolulatu gets the callback. I'm not too sure what his, um, uh, how he's been going over in Europe. I haven't been watching him play for State France, Francais the last few weeks. But um, yeah, he he had a completely different game style to both of the other hookers that are currently in. The- yeah, I mean, partly I think if they haven't called him up now, they're not yeah, going to. It's too late because you got the two week quarantine window. So they're just. I don't think they're going to. Yeah. Um. Now, do, do we want to jump into the game itself? And I'll quickly go through our predictions from last week. Yeah, let's just jump into it and then we'll get into yeah. our interview. Yeah, cool. We're let's do roll. that, mate. That's a good idea. We're on a roll. So last week, Mitch, Rev and I all had our predictions of how the game will go. So Mitch was saying Wallabies by three. Mitch Evans or Rev was saying Wallabies by five. And I said Wallabies by one with James O'Connor kicking a conversion after the buzzer to win. <laughs> now... I really hope my prediction comes off. That'd be the best. Now, we're obviously very biased Australian supporters, but the interesting thing within this is that we don't... If, if you watch the first two games, the first game was very tight, and in both of them, New Zealand deserved to win. Don't get me wrong. But the games were very tight, and a distance between them is not as great as a scoreline in game two might have you believe. So it leads me to think that the Aussies will win one of the games, and if they're going to, it's going to be this game in my opinion. So what if they win both that's of them? why. Oh, look, look, they potentially, potentially could win both. But all I'm simply saying is that our, our confidence is not completely unfounded as some people might think. Now the weather forecast for the weekend is wet. I'm on the yes. Bureau of Meteorology website. It's going to uh, 60% chance of rain, 40 to 15, four to 15 millimeters of rain. And it's raining every single day up until that point. Um, Bring your brellies, folks. On Thursday. Oh, brollies or wellies? Which one? <laughs> I said brellies. Um, Both of them. Brellies. You did bre- both. Okay, good. Um, so that is obviously going to be influencing the game style. And I wonder if that's going to be taking away from some of the attacking opportunities. So we might be seeing a few more safe and defensive tactical selections so maybe mm-hmm. someone like tom banks who we would generally see as being a bit more of an attacking option than dane hale at petty and having that swap and having hale at petty at 15 and banks not in the team altogether yeah i'm wondering if we'll see something like that um what are your what's your prediction for 10 12 13 okay 10 12 13 okay i think so I'll, I'll give yeah, knowing that Matt, Matty Tamu is injured. Yes, he's um, out for the season. Jordan Pattaya. Yep. Yeah, he's out for the season. So Jordan Pattaya coming back from injury now. Um, sorry, and is now back into kind of like full fitness. So that's calling into question Hunter Paisami. So, and James O'Connor still being there. 10, 12, 13. What are your thoughts? I mean, this this is tight. This, this is tough, sorry. this There's what I would like to see and what I think Dave Rennie will do are probably two different things. So what I would like to see happen, keep James O'Connor at 10. Key, uh, bring in um, uh, Ira Simone at 12. Yep. I just, sorry, I just had a mind blank. Ira Simone at 12 and keep Hunter Paisami at 13. Bring and then bring um, Jordan Pattaya. I'm having a, I'm having a shocker right now. I can't remember. You're, you're going names. well, mate. Come on. <laughs> you're going well. Um, 
bring um bring Pattaya off the bench. Now I think the op- the other option would be to shift James O'Connor to twelve and bring someone like Noel Alessio or Will Harrison into ten. I just I think that's going to be too big an ask, particularly to start against in in a do or die game for the Bledisloe in in our first test of the year at home. I just I don't we haven't seen Noel Alessio at this at this level yet, so I just we're not quite sure how he's going to go. He's been great in Super Rugby. Don't get me wrong. He's been brilliant, but he's still very young. He could come out there and just be completely overawed by it all and just completely outclassed by uh, Richie Mowanga and Bowden Barrett. Um, and then we go to pieces and we lose the game. I just don't see Re- Dave Rennie doing that. So yep. I think the better option is to keep James O'Connor at 10 and then bring on Ira Simone at 12. I, yep. In saying that, though, it doesn't. we don't have the dual playmaker role um, that we had with Tamua and James O'Connor. Which I think has been a really. Oh, Simone's pretty decent. He's got a good kicking game, um, and has kind of played that outside Alessio at the Brumbies. He's not as good a playmaker as Tamua, yeah. but he still can play that role if just not as effectively. But I mean, yeah, you can't I just... replace Matty Tamua. Yeah, He's I a just very don't. Unique player. I don't recall Ira Simone coming in um, as first receiver too often for the Brumbies this year, which is what Tamua was doing. So a lot of the time, James O'Connor would drop out into the, the outer backs and Tamu would drift into first receiver and direct the play. Um, and then at other times, James O'Connor would would do that. So I just don't see Ira Simone having the confidence or the ability to do that just yet. in his. So I think we lose that sure. option. Yeah, sure. So my prediction is I think they'll go um, James O'Connor, Ira Simone at 12. I personally would be picking Jordan Pataira at 13 and leaving Hunter Paisami out of the squad. I don't. Completely. I think he's a starting thirteen or not in the squad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he's in my mind. He's not a twelve, and he's. You don't keep just a dedicated thirteen on the bench. I would like to see Noah Lesio on the bench, and he can be covering that 10-12 position as well. So let's say James O'Connor gets a knock and is injured, you could have Alessio come in at ten, and then he's got Simone outside him at twelve, and they've got their Brumbies combination working yeah. there. So there's a level of comfort within that. Um, so that's just something to be considering. Look, he was basically the standout 10 of the Australian Super Rugby competition. Yep. And the, there's the question of he if he's good enough, he's old enough as well. So I would be willing to kind of risk it for future growth potential. Um, yeah, but do you do it now or do you do it next week? Well, I mean, if we win this week, the same amount of pressure is on next week as well. Oh, definitely. But do you Sorry. do it now? And if we lose this week, then we can trial him and we can start him and he can win next week and it doesn't really matter. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I um, just, I, I just, I, either way, whoever they put on the bench, I think they'll go Simone at 12 and I hope that they go Pataya at 13 because what Paisami offers is great, but it he just still doesn't have that same level of attacking threat that Pataya does. So, But I, I just personally think that Pataya can't start because if Pataya goes down the 20th minute with another hip injury... We've we're stuffed. Yeah, I would question how much we plan around injuries. I mean, the the expectation would be if he's playing, he's not going to get injured. Um, that would be my hope anyway. What why don't we move on? Because we're yep. gonna speak about the backs for too long. Why don't we move on to the forwards now? And there's questions. I think the front row is relatively settled, although there might be questions around whether or not you swap out Tupo and Alatoa. Um, Tupo really wasn't as effective in game two as he had been in game one. Well, I called it. 
I called it. I said in my team going into Bledisloe 2 that you bring Tupo one in the 50th, 60th minute and just let him yep. run wild, wild in that last bit. Um, yep. But they didn't do it. They started him and he was ineffectual. Mm, That's mate, what I, I, I stick selectors. with that. I stick with that this week. <laughs> I think you yep. start Alan Alatoa and you bring Tupo one for the last 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, cool. And hopefully by that point, the he can win us a few scrum penalties and he can just run crazy in the outer channels and um, and score some tries. I wonder if you just go the Brumbies front row, Slipper, um, Fainga, and Alatoa as a starting front row for the Wallabies this week, uh, or even McInerney instead of Fainga. That could be a good option. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a good point that Rev put on um, Twitter this week around Falau Fainga that he's kind of been found out a little bit in the Wallabies, that he's probably not as good a hooker as everyone sort of makes him out to be this year, purely because he doesn't have the, the uh, Brumbies forward pack to work off, that he scored so many tries because he's the hooker for the, for the Brumbies and the starting hooker um, through the mall. But you take the forward pack away and all of a sudden he doesn't seem to be doing as much. Uh, yeah. So personally, I, I agree with that. I think that um, Brandon Pangramosa had a better performance. He still made a few mistakes, a few key areas. He did silly things, but I think he, he was a better and more stable option at hooker than um, Falafayenga. And I, I would be starting him this week. Yep. Okay. Uh, locks will almost definitely stay the same. So there haven't been any major issues there, except for the fact that Simmons coming off the bench is not a change to inspire fear in any opposition. Yeah, just, I just think at this point, we just need to get rid of Simmons. He's you reckon you bring in um, <coughs> Trevor Hosea on the bench? Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. And cool. so what's your backline makeup then? So we've got Hooper, you've got Wilson, you've Got Samu as an option as well. We've now got Nisarani there too. Are you thinking it's going to be a Hooper, Samu, and Wilson? For me personally. Oh, right as well. I've missed right. Yeah, and right. Uh, for me, I would be starting Hooper at seven, Ned Hannigan again at six, and Wilson at eight. So I go with the same back yep. row as last week. Uh, yep. You bring, yep. I would bring Liam Wright and Samu on the bench. Yep, I agree. And you'd be hoping that you're not getting an injury to Hannigan. So if you do need to make a lock swap, he can move into the second row if required yep. as well to support Hosea there. Um, I agree. I don't think there's going to be any major major surprises in the forward pack, except maybe at hooker. We might see a big change at hooker. Uh, but apart from that... It's Connell McInerney use... might start. Yeah, maybe. Like legitimately maybe. Because the good thing about being a at least a hooker is that the only thing he'd need to be learning that would be particularly new to him would be some of the line-out calls that are Wallaby-specific. Oh, there are scrum calls too. There are scrum calls too. Okay. Um, Around push and stuff, but yeah. So I think we should probably leave it at that, mate, since we already spoke about the game in the last pod. Well, I just want to quickly say before we move on. Yeah, yeah. Does does your opinion from last week change at all going into this weekend? And what was my opinion from last week? So Wallabies by one with James O'Connor kicking an extra conversion in penalty time to win. No, it's such a fairy tale like no, dream yeah, that I'm just I'm just I'm great. just saying it. It's great to leave it on, but I'm just saying, does anything does anything knowing what the weather's going to be like, knowing that Tamil was gone, knowing that we're going to have to shift the back the back line a bit a little bit, does that change your predictions for this weekend at all? No, not particularly. I think if anything, it means that it's more likely to be a very close encounter because mm-hmm. the rain is often a great leveler in rugby union. Yep. I mean, you saw it in the 
if you managed to catch any of the premiership final between Exeter and Wasps, um, it was just torrential rain that entire game. Oh, you, you even saw it in the Eastwood game on the weekend. Yeah. Where rain just means that you, it just becomes attrition warfare on the football rugby field. Yeah. And there's just less opportunities for those breakout plays, which means the games are going to be tighter. So I think our predictions of Wallabies by one, three and five aren't, that unrealistic yep. considering that the way the game is probably going to play out if the yeah. weather conditions hold true. Yeah. My only saving grace is that we had quite wet and windy conditions in Bledisloe one in Wellington and uh, the Wallabies were the better team in those conditions, particularly in that second half when we were coming home. So I'm hoping that again, the rebels players step up and have a good game in the wet <laughs> for whatever reason. Can't, I don't know why they seem to play so well in the wet, the rebels, but um, they do. So I'm hoping that they can have, a, that can be the deciding factor this week. Brilliant, mate. Well, why don't we finish things up there and move into our interview with Ed Craig. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So now we're going to move into our interview. We've been lucky enough to join by Ed Craig, current uh, prop for Eastwood and also experienced with Queensland Reds. So welcome to uh, the podcast, Ed. Thanks for having me on. I, I more commonly play hooker, but do dabble in, in loose head. Oh, okay. The The internet's got you as, as prop, so... <laughs> How um, fun. A, you need to update your Wikipedia boy. page. Oh, I'll get dad on it. <laughs> probably exciting. the sole contributor there. So. <laughs> it's very detailed. I was very impressed. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. Well, uh, I've, got, I've got some very close fans. Yeah, nice. Cool. All right. So, um, yeah, just we'll go into the interview. So, Ed, do you want to give us a little bit of a overview of your career and who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So, I'm a... Uh, currently, uh, yeah, primarily a hooker, playing at Eastwood in the Shoot Shield. Um, I have packed a couple of scrums at Loosehead this year, but um, we'll keep that on the down low. <laughs> and uh, I, I grew up locally. I went to Epping Boys, a public high school in the area, and um, always always played outside of school as well. Uh, uh, lucky, enough, lucky enough to make uh, the Australian Schoolboys in Year 12, and that kind of kicked off my career. Um, it was a bit of a bit of a Stephen Bradbury, that one. There was a lot of people injured, and I kind of just sailed in last minute um and from there on have kind of continued that trend so uh plugged away at clubland for a couple of years playing uh colts at eastwood for a year and then into grade um and then got a late call up to the australian under 20s and so i got to go and play in manchester i got off the bench for five minutes Again, <laughs> hey, another, it counts another bradbury kind of uh, late call up there you get the um, cap that's all that matters got the cap and uh got all the kit so that was you know that was nice <laughs> yeah awesome um and then, yeah, I've headed back and I've been playing, um, this is my fifth year playing in the Shoot Shield with Eastwood. Um, I played briefly for the, the Greater Sydney Rams or Western Sydney Rams, what they were called at the time, yep. uh, when that still existed in the NRC in about 2016 um, and then 17 maybe. And then I uh, played NRC with Sydney this year um, or at the end of last year, I should say, the end of the 2019 season. And then uh, this season, um, got another late call up as an injury replacement for a short-term deal with the Reds. And so was lucky enough to be up there for a, for a month and uh, I got to fly around the world a bit with them and uh, was on the bench a couple of times and, and got on the field twice. That was, awesome. uh, that was pretty, a pretty awesome experience. And um, yeah, now I'm just back plugging away at, uh, at club rugby, gearing up for finals. What uh, super rugby games did you get to play? Was it the Sunwolves for one of them? It was. It was the Sunwolves. They were winning by a fair bit. And so they put me on with about 25 to go, expecting to give me a, quite a run. Um, but then I packed a scrum and then straight out of that, like third phase, 
I made a tackle and went low and just went straight into um the, the opposition's reserve hooker's knees and uh, and got a bit of a head knock and so I had to go off for a HIA and then um, pass that because it wasn't a, wasn't a terrible knock. I didn't have any memory of balance loss um, and came on for the last five minutes, but I really kind of wasted my opportunity there. <laughs> oh, no. And then, and I think the last one was against the Sharks um, where I came on with two minutes to go, but then we um kept playing after the buzzer. And oh, that's, up yeah. A rolling ball that was a huge game. That yeah, was a massive. That. You guys came, got blitzed in the first half, didn't you? And then came back in the second? Yeah, it came back. It still didn't win. And so by the time I came on, it was already with that, um, you know, out of reach. Um, but I was, you know, I was just absolutely stoked to be in the right place at the right time to, to get a meat pie. So my stats are pretty fr- uh, flattering because I've got one carry, a total <laughs> of one meter and one try. So I'm, uh, pretty, pretty lucky in that regard. I think right playing, right, right place, right time. How good. So what we might do now, uh, one of the reasons why we're really excited to chat to you is because you have a fair bit of experience within some of the development pathways within New South Wales. And so we've had the opportunity to chat to um, like Liam Wright and Harry Johnson Holmes, who are really, really kind of nailing things at the moment, really up there pushing for Wallabies contentions. And what we're trying to find out more information about is, well, looking at the grassroots level and then the pathways getting up to super level, what's it like? What's your experience been? So the question is, how would you rate the rugby development pathway in New South Wales? And could you give us a bit of information about what it actually is? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's, it's not perfect, but it, it is there, you know, like, yeah, I think it's hard to uh, it's hard to kind of talk about our system when you got uh, New Zealand system kind of working so well. Uh, it's a bit hard to you know kind of talk about us and, and be content when we can see it working so well there. But at the moment, yeah. you play shoot shield footy ideally, so we'll, we'll we'll go from there onwards. You know, junior footy is kind of another chat, but you yeah, know, that's that's pretty good at the moment actually. Um, from shoot shield, you just you just play well, and then uh, you get contracted from there basically. Um, they introduced the NRC, which is uh, ran for like what five, six, six, seven years, mate? Six, six years? or seven years, yeah. Six or seven years. Um, it's not running this year because of because of COVID, um, and that's ideally that the step between Shoot Shield and um, and club rugby in you know all of Australia and Super Rugby. Um, so that's supposed to be the, the stepping stone. Um, however, yeah, there are there are some problems with them. Overall, it's really good, and like I played in the Sydney team this year and had a really good experience. Um, you know, being able to you know like the the Waratahs contracted guys, they'd train with the Tars all day. Uh, and then we'd rock up at 5 p.m. They'd get changed into their NRC gear. We'd get changed into our NRC gear. And you got all these full-time workers and all these super rugby players combining and, and training together. And it was really cool to kind of be on the same level um, in that respect. And, and you know, translate on the field as well because I was getting to pack down alongside, you know, full-time professional props. And, and you know, so the, the standard footy was was good. Um, however, my, yeah, my only qualm would be that it's not used for its intended purpose. Um, a lot of the time, super teams have already signed their players. They've already filled up their rosters before the season has even begun. Yep. Um, and then sometimes they'll announce it early, but usually like, you know, I don't want to name names, but like usually they'll wait till the season, the NRC season's nearly finished. And then they'll release a highlights package of the player that they signed back in July um, saying, oh, look how well they did. They earned themselves a contract. And yep. they'll kind of make it seem like it's a legitimate pathway, even though they were already cherry picked. Um, you know, from the junior system or, or because they know the coach or, or because they're, or, or because they've genuinely been outstanding in club footy. Um, and so it shows that while NRC is a good step, coaches are still pretty confident to pick players for super rugby 
off club footy because they're picking the mid-season um, or off the back of the previous season or something like that. So, you know, while I've had some really good experiences, um, yeah, I think the purpose is is for development and it's not always used, you know, kind of as, as it's designed for, unfortunately. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's, it's great to look at the New Zealand team where they've got their ITM Cup going or even the Curry Cup in South Africa. You know, they're really good. They've got, you know, big followings. Um, but they've been going for years. You know, it's really hard to compete when there's no, you know, like we, we were literally playing to like a man and his dog and his wife. And, and like, and that, that, that's it, you know, down eastern <laughs> yeah. suburbs this year, like, you know, for NRC, you know, against Perth, whatever, there's just no one there because um, no one really cares about it. Um, you know, you get the friends and family and that's about it. Um, yeah, I wanted to I wanted to speak to that. I'll ask you a question about it. So I spoke with an acquaintance. I won't I won't name names, but he um he was playing first grade for a um shoot shield club. And when I spoke to him about the NRC, and this is probably two years ago, he was really, really dismissive. And me being a guy who thought he knew stuff about rugby, but obviously I don't know how this response. I said, well, isn't the purpose of it meant to be that pathway between um, kind of shoot shield or club level and then into super rugby? And he gave me the most dismissive look and response to that question that he didn't even say anything. He just laughed at me. And then I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I obviously know nothing. Like what's, <laughs> what's the attitude and feeling about the NRC? Do people actually, like the players actually... I don't know. Do they like it? Do they see it as a legitimate competition or do they just enjoy it? Cause it means they get to play more rugby. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's mixed. You, you speak to some people and they'll say it's a joke. Like I, I've heard people tell me, Oh, and I see it's, it's a joke. It's like, it doesn't mean anything. Um, it's just flogging yourself for no reason. However, other people enjoy it. And again, like, yeah, I've had some really good experiences. So I'm pretty positive about it. Um, and but I don't think it led to me getting any kind of, you know, it didn't lead to me getting a contract. And I don't think it really impacted me getting the, the call up to the Reds. That was more based on club form. Um, and so, yeah, like we've had, um, say for like my club, we've got a really good um, center, a really good inside center. He's one of the best in the, in the shoot shield at the moment. Um, he's, you know, really pushing for higher honors. And he got asked to play NRC last year. Um, but when they looked around at the, all the super rugby teams that already filled their rosters for next year. And he said, well, you know, what's the point in playing, risking myself, getting an injury, having time away from work, traveling interstate every weekend to play footy when I'm not going to get anything out of it. And yeah. like, while you do get a bit of development, he didn't see the the trade-off with work and, and whatnot. He didn't see it as, um, as beneficial oh, and, you know, and beneficial enough to be worth his time. Whereas someone like me, I'm a teacher. So I've got, you know, kind of enough time to, to give to it. Um, I really enjoyed it. I didn't get a contract out of it, but like had a great time and, you know, tested myself at a higher level and was able to kind of feel comfortable there. But yeah, there definitely is a, yeah, your, your experience isn't, isn't unique. A lot of people okay. do feel that way about it. Um, yeah. And yeah, some people don't think it's worth pay, playing. And yeah, like one, one of my halfbacks was telling me, um, so Mick Snowden, he's retired now. He had a stint, you know, with the rebels for two years and got a couple of caps and had one cap for the Tars um, a year or so ago. Um, he played NRC two years ago. And had an okay time. And then they called him this year. And he's recently had a kid. And he's also a teacher. So he does kind of have the time to do it. But he said, uh, he said on the phone, he said, uh, is it the same comp as last year? And they said, yep. And he goes, are we getting this paid the same as last year? And they said, yep. And he said, not interested. And then hung up. <laughs> and that was it. Because it's, it's barely, you know, barely petrol money. It's not, it's not really an adequate compensation yep. for your time. Uh, so, yeah. So some guys just don't want to do it. Yeah. I think definitely for younger guys, you've seen people like Mark Nawang Nawitawazi. 
Yep. Um, you know, he played well in NRC and then, you know, did well in Super Rugby off the back. And James Ram, who's now, you know, up in the Wallabies, you know, he's absolutely killing it. And that's all off the back of a good NRC season. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely valuable. Um, but there, there are mixed mixed views on it, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what you said there spawns a whole bunch of other questions about the disconnect between Shoot Shield slash NRC slash Super Rugby. Like, it seems that the timing of the seasons just doesn't really seem to work in that if the, if the Shoot Shield season is finishing up when the Tars or whatever club it is throughout, um, maybe even the Brumbies as well, once all the super clubs have already got their contracts filled, what's the point of seeing the Shoot Shield specifically as a development pathway into the um, super teams if by the time a player is showing decent run of form throughout the season, it's too late for them to be getting a contract for those teams? Mm, um, yeah. I don't know. Ha, like, I'm just throwing, I know we haven't spoken about this in advance, but do you have any thoughts about how that could shift or change? Man, pe- people propose solutions all the time, and I don't think any of them sound great. There's no perfect answer. Um, some people throw out the idea of a national club comp, you know, get the top five in New South Wales, Queensland, and Victoria play each other, but, but then it's not club footy. Like, you don't have your fans traveling with you. Um, mm. And, you know, it then becomes a bit more professional. So the, the average Joe, you know, tradie who is, you know, a plumber and, and, and a great second rower, he then kind of is a bit out of his depth and, and it's, it's kind of not, it's not the purpose of club footy. Like we just want to play rugby, have a good time. Um, and then it makes it kind of professional. So yeah, look, it's, it's hard because New Zealand have a system that works for them. Um, but I think if we try and implement that kind of system, it's not going to work the same. Um, yeah, I don't think there is a solution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've okay. heard lots of people suggest ideas, and I, none of them sound great. I, what they do at the moment with the winner of you know the winner and, and runner-up of each comp in New South Wales and Queensland playing each other—that's cool. Like a one-off, yeah. you know, what do they call the Australian Club Championship yeah. game or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like that's cool. That works. Um, and you know, you get to test yourself against the other state. Um, but yeah, it's—I don't think it's viable for a whole comp. Mm. So. I've got no solutions. So, you know, I guess with NRC not happening this year, they've got a chance to kind of reassess and, and decide if it's worth doing again, if they're going to make a try and make a loss again on it money-wise or or whether they try and reinvent it somehow. Yeah, I don't know. I'll be interested to see what they come up with, to be honest. So with, yeah. even with this year when we've got no NRC due to COVID, um, has there been some connection between the Shoot Shield and the Waratahs? Have, have there been coaches at club rugby have there been scouts looking around as this is now essentially the breeding ground of of next year or where you pick your players from yeah i don't think anything really changes um and i, I could i could have this wrong but i think there's a stat that's like you know 75 percent of australia's super rugby players come from the shoot shield and so play like coaches are always looking to the shoot shield um and you know, and that, I think that's still the same. There are still blokes being picked, blokes being looked at, you know, discussions happening um, because, yeah, I think like what we've already kind of discussed, the NRC is kind of void. Like there's no real, yeah. it's a bit redundant um, if all the selections have been done through club rugby. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've, we've had um, the Australian sevens coach at our training, you know, club land training, because we had a, got a couple of them and the coach just wanted to check out, you know, how Tim Anstey and Lachlan Anderson are doing. Um <laughs> But we haven't had, you know, super coaches never come. But yeah, they they definitely have their eye on the pulse. They're, they're kind of watching the games from afar and keeping track of it all. Well, staying with Super Rugby, mate, um, you obviously had, you said, about a month with the Queensland Reds. Um, how Five was weeks. that time with the Reds? And secondly, uh, you obviously had Brad Thorne as a coach during that time. He's 
pretty hot property at the moment. There's still a little bit of speculation about whether he's going to be extending his contract next year with the Reds. Uh, can you give us any insights into Brad Thorne from your time there? So how was the time and what, what can you tell us about Brad Thorne as a coach? Yeah, yeah, good questions. I uh, had an awesome time, had an awesome time. So coming from being a full-time teacher, it was week one of the school term. I got a call Wednesday night and I was on a plane to Johannesburg by Friday morning. <laughs> Happened really quick. Um, and uh, I was only I was only in Johannesburg for like 24 hours and then we went to Argentina for a week and then we came home and I spent most wow. of the rest of the time in Queensland with with one game in New Zealand. Um, it was an awesome time. Uh, I think like it's very tough trying to work a normal full-time job and play footy at the same time, like kind yes. of semi-professional shoot shield level because you, you, you really are working full-time and part-time at the same time. When you kind of mix those two things together, you, kind of, you can't give you 100% to everything. Um, and so simply having the time to just like recover properly, to go to the gym properly, um, to, to plan my meals and, and kind of get on top of nutrition properly. It was just absolutely eye-opening. I was like, wow, if this is what giving 100% to 40 is, like I've got so much more to give all year round. And it's kind of my full-time job that's holding me back. Um, and so, yeah, that was, it was just unreal. And like all the guys at the Reds, they're all really young which is awesome. Like a lot of them, like I think the average age of the squad is 22. So you got a few older heads, you know, with James O'Connor and Ryan Smith, those kind of guys, but most, especially the extended squad, they're all younger up and comers, which is awesome. It's really good. And there's a great vibe there, but they all come out of high school. Most of them went to GPS schools up there. So they all kind of know each other in that kind of click, that group. They go, they play a year or two of under twenties. And if they're really, and if they're good, they, they get a contract. And, and that's an awesome system and it works well, but it means they don't understand how good they've got it. Yeah. Like they just get yep. to get paid, hang out with their mates and play footy um, and go to the gym and recover and, and do scrums. And like, it's just unreal. And I think me coming from two years of working full time, it was a very, I had a bit of a different perspective to a lot of the other lads. Um, and yeah, absolutely, absolutely loved it. And it's, yeah, it really given me a taste for it. I'm kind of, you know, on, on the lookout for another opportunity because <laughs> it was just, yeah, that good. Um, and, uh, and being on the thorny, Brad Thorne is an interesting man. He's, um, <laughs> he's, a, he's a very, very funny. My first kind of experiences with him were like on, on long haul flights because we we're spending so much time flying, you know, flying around and I got placed next to him twice. And he's just, <laughs> he sits there, he puts his earphones on, closes his eyes, listens to classical music and like pretends to conduct with his hands while he's sitting there on, on the plane. And he'll do like, he'll do like air piano and stuff, like pretending to play classical tunes. It's, just very, and like, yeah, very, a very funny man. Just like very quirky. Like that. That's um, cool. Yeah, that is, yeah, that is not the person that I felt would be doing that. No, yeah, neither. That's why I was a bit. Um, <laughs> but no, he's he's a lovely man, and he's um he really is like the spiritual leader up there. He um you know, he may not be as across all the details as, as some head coaches might be, but he sure makes up for it in just like attitude and um and really setting the tone for the team. Um, you kind of. Like you, you kind of forget who he is, you know, when, when he's around, he's, he loves to have a joke and have a laugh. Like we're all kind of hanging around and then we'll be doing, you know, malls or something, line out malls. And every now and then he'll just, he'll just go, Oh, back in the all blacks, we used to do this. And you'd go, Oh, that's right. This guy's like a hundred test all black has won, you know, everything in the world. Yeah. Um, and you get, you're, you just, you just kind of remember, Oh, this guy's actually a living legend. Um, and you kind of forget. <laughs> and, and every now and then you just drop, like a little bit of wisdom or some kind of crazy insight. And you're like, wow, like, yeah, you, you're the man. Like, <laughs> teach us more. Like he's, um, yeah, re really good. And 
yeah, a funny man and kind of hard to understand sometimes as well because he kind of speaks like this all the yeah. time. And so especially like <laughs> on the planes, every second time he would say something, I had to say, what? Sorry, sorry, what? Like he just kind of that <laughs> level the engine. of voice and you can't hear him over the engine because he, he has so kind of kind of weathered voice, just speaks like that the whole time. But uh, I don't know, he's a, he's a very good, I was, yeah, I had a great time up there. He's, um, a, he's a good Christian fellow as well. And so we kind of bonded over that, both um, both having a faith. Um, and, uh, and he's got a lovely wife and, and family and he had some really good advice in regards to like trying to raise, raise a family and playing footy at the same time. And yeah. Yeah. That's super exciting, yeah. mate. I mean, it seems that some of your insights there have really cemented some of the other thoughts or comments about Brad Thorne that are going around because a lot of people are crediting a lot of the um, improvement in the Reds this season to being a combination of Brad Thorne's ability to unite and guide the players, but really the attacking flair and patterns are Jim McKay. And then Peter Ryan, who's working with the defense, is absolutely nailing the defensive structures for them. So I don't think Peter Ryan was... Def- was Peter Ryan defense coach when you were there? Um, I don't think he was. I think he started this No, season. he wasn't. I don't think he was. Um, but um, Jim McKay, would you have worked with him? I can attest to Jim McKay. Yeah, Jimmy is an absolute talent. Um, yeah, really analytical and lovely too. Like he was, he'd invited me over for dinner and like, you know, he's a really loving man, but... He um he coached one of the NRC teams up in up in Queensland, and so he got to and he was like the head coach of that, so he kind of got to take control. And and the fellows are saying that during that process, they they kind of like he turned into another man. Like they really got the best out of him, and so he was feeling really comfortable with the team. They were working on those combinations, and they did they were really successful. They did really well. Um, and so I think like their success is you know a mixture of um they've got great talent there because the coach can only do, you know, what they can with the players they've got. Um, but also just, they've been building on connections there. Like a bunch of the guys, as I said, have grown up playing GPS together. So they've got the connection there already. And then they're playing NRC together for a few years. And, um, and then, you know, Jimmy takes head coach and, and develops them further and they grow these relationships and learn, you know, each other's strengths and weaknesses. And it's just, it's really culminating. And I think like their success in the Super Rugby AU is attributed to just, yeah, a couple of years of just building. Like they've just been building, developed uh, relationships and development. Um, and yeah, and Jimmy is a very, very tactical man. He's really good. Like we get there we're, when we're playing against another team, he'll, uh, he'll write down their lineups, their go-to moves. And so me, who was a reserve forward most of the time, we would, he would show us this piece of paper that had all their lineup moves on it. And he would say, all right, we're doing this. And so we go, and we run that against the Reds so they can kind of, you know, practice. I'm sure other teams do it as well, but like yep. coming from Clubland, I'd never had anyone that had had the detail yeah. and, and the time, the care to go and like look at the video, write out their moves, print it out, show us so you can go, yep, we'll do that. And then we run it. And the team benefited so much from it. Like, yeah, yeah he's just, yeah, an awesome, awesome analytical coach. Good man. How cool. Mm. Mitch, do you want to carry on? Yeah. So I think you, um, you sort of attributed uh, you sort of mentioned it a, a little bit there but did you notice a big change or a big step up in intensity going from shoot shield to super rugby level yeah uh, somewhat um in terms of actually like actual footy it, it wasn't that different um and i think like um the the wallaby selections for the squad at the moment can you know, attest to that because a lot of them are players that have only really just just recently started playing super rugby you know yeah. like james ram tom horn those kind of guys um which kind of shows that, you know, a good shoot shield player, give them, you know, half a year of, of full-time footy and they can be in the Wolby squad, yep. you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and so I think, I think that does kind of speak into the, the standard that we do have in Sydney. 
particularly, but I hear, you know, the, the Queensland comp's pretty strong as well and the Melbourne's, Melbourne's getting there. Um, um, in terms of what was the other half of that question? <laughs> um, yeah, just basically was, the difference the between the step up. Yeah. I guess also um, or, even or the, the, off the, the field as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the biggest step up was, was off the field and on the training pit. Um, I had, um, I had Thorny take me aside at one point. I'm um, pretty early on and say, say, head mate, like, like what's going on? You're soft. Like, <laughs> like go, like, what do you like? And this is one of the times that he kind of dropped a little hint of wisdom. He goes, before a big game, you know, I used to put a bit of strapping tape on my knuckles and just scruff up my face a bit, get myself ready for the battle. He's like, maybe, maybe you need to do that for trainings. And I was like, all right, play on. All right, I'll do it. And so from then on, I really made a big effort to be physical at training because, I mean, different clubs do things different ways, but my footy club, you know, Easter, we, we kind of take a little bit easier. We know we'll turn up on a Saturday. We know we've got the troops and, and the skills to do it. So, we, you know, weekday, we'll do maybe five minutes of live contact on a Tuesday and that's it for the week during the season. You know, like it's very oh, small. Wow, okay. Whereas he was demanding, he wanted a whole session Tuesday, um, whole session Wednesday of, of up, upbeat, like almost full contact footy. Um, and it, he just wanted, he just wanted my best effort at all times. And that's something that took me a little while to get used to the idea that like every session, you're not coasting, you're not, it's not just about getting the knowledge. It's about ripping in. Um, and so that was probably the biggest step up was just that, that intensity level of training. Um, and the, the Queensland humidity didn't help either. It was quite hot <laughs> in some days. Um, that and, that and, and video and stuff. Like the amount of time you spend training, isn't that different? Like, you know, your body can only handle three field sessions and a couple of gym sessions a week. And, it, you know, uh, we're doing that at Eastwood. You know, uh, we've got two main sessions and, and one kind of light video session jog through. Pretty similar with, um, with, with Super Rugby in terms of the commitment on the field. But um, it's, yeah, like Mondays is all review, the video review. Tuesday mornings, you're, you're doing video preview for the next week. Um, and so it's like the, the video off feet stuff. But in terms of on field, yeah, a bit, bit more intensity at Super Rugby and um, a similar, yeah, similar kind of time commitment. Yeah, interesting. That's incredible. That just straight away, the thing I was thinking there is what about the analysts behind the scenes that as soon as a game is played on a yeah. Saturday or a Friday to Sunday, they have to have everything prepared for the review by Monday and the following week prepared for the Tuesday morning. Like they don't get time off. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's just yeah. amazing. And so like, the, I, I'm kicking myself for not being able to remember his name, but we had a South African bloke who was the, the video analyst and he was just, yeah, unreal. He like had all the, knew all the angles on huddle, like how to change angles for the video review. Um, but like, they also got the boys involved as well. So when I was there, Rod was still around. And so he was in charge. Well, actually they kind of rotated it through the second rowers, but it was one of the second rowers job to look at the, the other team's, um, videos and to kind of say how we're going to combat them, come up with some kind of plan. So there's a little bit of onus on the, on the players, but that being said, it was the video analyst's job to like give him the folder with all the clips to watch. Yeah. So we were having, you know, there was some player accountability, but uh, it was definitely still led by the, the mastermind behind it all. So yeah, that's, that's one of the biggest step ups and that, and, and the detail to, to scrum, like, Club 40, we just, we just scrum. We might watch a scrum and say, oh, yeah, they're pretty bad. We'll, we'll have a crack this week. That's about it. <laughs> Whereas they're like zooming in, looking at body height, shoulder height, shoulder angle, like foot placement, timing. This like every scrum is just analyzed. That was something I hadn't experienced before. Crazy. Wow. That's so cool. It's, it's very interesting to see that detail level between the two. Um, that's fun. That's really cool. And Massive difference. 
Look, I think we've already covered the next question we had about kind of the NRC and its connection into yeah. uh, Super. So we might skip through that one. But shifting to a bit more about you personally now, what are your goals for the future? Because you're still pretty young. You're playing first grade and your season's going really well so far for Eastwood. Um, what are you hoping for over the next couple of years? Yeah, well, after getting a bit of a taste with the Super Rugby, um, I, I really would love to you know, get, get another crack there. Uh, the problem is I'm, I'm very comfortable with my job at the moment. <laughs> I'm at Barker College. They give me lunch every day. They look after me. And it's a job with, you know, a lot of um, kind of meaning behind it and a purpose. And it gives me, um, you know, a really fun week. So it's kind of hard to leave that. It's very comfortable. But at the same time, after having, you know, five weeks to, to give 100% of myself. Um, we still got to, you, mate. You still got me? Yeah, so yeah we sorry, got you. My battery's getting low. Um, that after after being at the Reds for, for five weeks, having um, yeah 100% of my effort to footy, like yeah, that's something that was just so incredible. I want to get that again. So I'm I'm kind of sniffing out something for next year. Um, nothing's locked in, whatever. Um, and if it ends up that I stay at you know my current job, that would be awesome because I'm really enjoying it. And you know, footy at Eastwood's fun. I really love playing club footy, but you know, I'm 24. If I leave it too much longer, um, actually, 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 no. Yeah, Front rowers can last a long time. Um, <laughs> my wife and I were looking up, um, you know, Heath Tasman, Tasman, the yeah, yeah. Western Force yep. hooker. Yeah. I was because he looks pretty old. I was like, I wonder, wonder how old he is. We looked it up. He debuted on Super Rugby when he was 27 and he's now 37. So he's had a, a 10 year career yeah. and didn't debut till 27. And I was like, geez, like I could not, you know, get a contract for three more years and still be ahead of him. Like, <laughs> like you can last a long time in the front row. So, you know, and my, my dad's still playing footy now. So I reckon I've got some genetic longevity in me. Um, and so I reckon, yeah, but I, now, now's the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sniffing things out, seeing what there is. I'd love to play footy full-time, ideally in Australia. I'd consider overseas, but, you know, obviously Australia's first port of call. Um, so that's kind of on the horizon at the moment. And what does oh, that brilliant. kind of process look like? Um, is it something that you sort of put put yourself out there and go to clubs and say, I'm, I'm looking and I'm willing? Or do you sort of wait for them to come to you? Yes, yeah, different ways you can do it. You could just wait till they come to you, but I don't think you'd probably get a gig unless you're incredible. Yeah, um, yeah it's pretty easy. So I, after I played schoolboys, I, I signed up with a manager. Yeah. Uh, he's an, an Eastwood old boy, Jimmy Hilgendorf. Um, he's played for a bunch of super franchises. Um, and he's now kind of retired as a, as, and working as a teacher at Kings um, and just kind of manages players that he knows on, on the side. So, um, but has it, because he's played pretty much every super rugby franchise he's got a good connection so um i've just said to him mate i'm on the lookout let me know what there is and so he's been kind of in people's ears um that's kind of one way you can do it you can also just physically like just straight up email clubs um i've had you know some friends have emailed you know the ceo of you know the rebels whatever and, and gotten feedback you know the email gets past the right person they will give you feedback um there are guys that's their job to kind of do that so um you, you can do it that way, but yeah, I've kind of just got Jimmy, my, my manager, pushing pushing my case with the with the super clubs, and that you know it's, it's pretty successful. And they're good at discussing and being open and saying, look, we've you know we've got a full roster, no, room. oh yeah, we're thinking, or yeah, they're, they're they're pretty good with discussing that. The teams are relatively open about um, you know contract negotiations and discussions about their playing roster. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing at the moment. So I'm just going to sit tight and wait out and uh, see if something comes my way. Yeah, awesome. Well, I hear the so Rebels have got a bit of a, a spot open for a hooker next year. 
Yeah, Rangi's gone. That's, He's gone yep. off to Japan. And, I mean, we haven't always been the biggest fans of uh, Mr. Abel at the Waratahs as well, so that's a bit yeah. close at home. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. Maybe something come yeah, up there, although Tom Hall is killing it. Tom Hall is Yeah, he's doing... Moment, so. And, like, seeing him do well is both, both awesome, but also, like, gut-wrenching. Yeah. Because, like, him and I, same place at the end of last year. We both played at NRC, um, both, you know, shoot shield. We're same age. And then the Tars picked him over me, which is which is fine. You know, he's a very good footballer. And then had a good season and now he's in the Wallabies. And so yeah. I'm looking at him and I'm like, how good's that? Like, it kind of gives me confidence in my ability level because I'm like, yeah. well, I reckon I'm at his level. So giving me, you know, seeing him succeed and that he can do it is pretty, pretty good. But it's also gut-wrenching because it's not me. I yeah, wish, I could I wish be that there. was me doing that. I could you know, be I'm so close. I could have, you know, could have, should have, would have. Um, but yeah, so it's cool to see that happening. And yeah, I'm <laughs> pretty stoked for him. <laughs> Well, uh, we've been, you just kind of mentioned the Aussie set up there. So why don't we shift across to a bit of a broader conversation now about Australian rugby. Um, so I've got a bit of a lead in before I ask this question, but basically not sure if you've noticed, but Aussie rugby in the media and in general kind of popularity has been on a bit of a decline for a few years now. Um, there's a whole bunch of commentary and negative, uh, particularly from Fox, just being Fox, um, commentary around the game. And sometimes that's about maybe a lack of funding for grassroots rugby. Some people say the conference structure of super rugby has taken interest away. Um, blah, 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 blah. Everyone's got an opinion. Do you think that rugby has actually been on the decline and if yes why if no why yeah they, they love uh they love a kind of a desperate time story don't they in the media yep. um yeah i think they definitely inflate the situation a bit more than it is um i don't i don't think rugby is necessarily in the decline um i think it's maybe not growing uh but i think what is growing is just the choices of sport in australia in general um and you know as, as a pdhp educator I'm, I'm a big fan of just all sports and so I think it's less kind of rugby struggling and it's more just, there's just so many more choices. You can watch any sport you want and increasingly you can watch male and female of any sport you watch, true, yeah. you want to watch, um, which is a definitely a positive thing for sport, you know, on the, on the bigger stage. But uh, yeah, it does mean that, you know, rugby comparatively to, to league or to AFL is kind of having less followers, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. It could, it could be on the decline. Um and it's, again, it's similar with the comp structure. Like you compare it to New Zealand, they've only got one. Like if you're a kid in New Zealand, you play rugby, right? And that's it. And, and that's good for rugby. But, you know, my, my kind of PE hat says maybe it's not <laughs> so great for the individual because what if a kid wants to, to play soccer and he's kind of peer pressured into playing footy? You know, like not everyone wants to express their masculinity by playing rugby. You know, you can do it <laughs> however you want. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a yeah it's i don't know i'm kind of in two minds but as a as someone that's trying to crack it at rugby um it's a pretty bad time for for salaries to be cut and for, yeah. for our viewing viewing to be decreasing and and that kind of stuff so you know as much as i'd love to see 10 australian super rugby teams uh the way it is at the moment it's pretty good um i think super rugby au was was a revelation and that was really good and um i suspect uh, they'll probably announce the next week or so that they're going to run a similar comp next year um, I don't think they're going to be able to run, you know, that we won't be able to have contact with South Africa and Japan, et cetera. So yeah. I, I expect it'll be pretty similar next year, maybe with some trans-Tasman finals element or something perhaps. Um, and uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it'll be good. Focus on our game. Um, Cause there were a lot of positives that it weren't. Yep. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I don't know if we're in decline, but we, we are, the game is a little bit stagnant in Australia. Um, 
but I'm in two minds as to whether that's a good thing or a bad thing because I like <laughs> choice. And I think, yeah, kids growing up having choice of sport is good. Uh, that being said, I think there are lessons you learn in rugby that you can't learn in any other, you know, asset of life. That's it. Like the idea of hitting a ruck for them, the wing at a score and you being happy with your job, like that's just selflessness. And you don't learn that anywhere else in life. Like, um, yeah, so I think every kid should be playing rugby. That being said, they don't all have to. So I don't know. But- I find what you just said there about the lessons in rugby really, really fascinating because I'm a teacher as well. Um, and one of the things I coach, I played football growing soccer growing up and I coach soccer as well for my school. And just the attitude and the arrogance that so many young soccer and football players have that you often don't see in the rugby players is incredible. So there's, and also the resilience as well to be able to take a knock and just shrug it off and go, I'm going to keep playing. I'm going to walk it off. I'm going to keep playing. And so I'm not like advocating that children should get hurt and keep playing, but it's that idea of recognizing (laughs) that you're going to take some hits and you got to keep going because within this game, your mates are needing you. And it is a quality that I see really, uh, prevalent in rugby union and I just don't see within football uh, there's a lot more prima donnas out there and that's just coming from my own experience in both playing and coaching at a school level mm, yeah I think um, like I don't want to sound like a like an old-fashioned person but the idea of resilience is, is definitely a it's a dying word no, no one kind of believes in it anymore um, and so rugby does kind of help that but I think yeah resilience but selflessness and I think just like soccer they, like I bring this up with my friends a lot they count assists like, can you get any more like selfish? Like, oh yeah, you scored, but but I gave you the ball, so uh, that's an assist to me. You know, yeah. like it's just like I couldn't like I couldn't. They would never do that in rugby. You know, like it's just um, yeah, a little bit self-centered, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's not their fault. Like it's it's a very individualistic game. Like you've either got the ball or you don't. You know, there's one person with the ball, one star. Whereas rugby, it takes a whole team. It really does. Um, and even, even rugby league, like it's still physical, but it's not the same kind of selflessness. You're not, you don't have to hit a ruck. You don't have to, um, you know, I mean, you might run a dummy line, but like, it's just, it's not quite the same. Um, yep. And so I think, yeah, I think every kid should be exposed to rugby, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's something they should all be doing, whether they want to do it or not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's why they call it the game they play in heaven. Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> um, guys, I might just quickly chuck my charger in because my thing's about to yeah go for it die which means i'll just change headphones i thought these headphones i'm currently wearing would be better but hopefully it's a bit smaller so i'm forcing you to do some editing here mitch that's all good easy all right is this is this fine is that right yeah yep yep sounds good so it won't die on us now so all good cool um yeah well i don't think we've got too many more questions um one thing i wanted to ask around super rugby au obviously being a New South Wales Welshman, but playing for the Queensland Reds earlier this year, where was your allegiance this year in the source? Who were you supporting for Super Rugby AU? Oh, I was I was definitely going for the Reds, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> oh, but, ouch. It's, I know you guys are passionate Tars followers, but it, it's hard to not go for a team that you spent, yeah. you know, five weeks traveling yeah, the world sure. with um, and kind of spending time with every day. That being said, you know, I watch all the games and I, I when I... Uh, when the Tars are playing, I'll, I'll usually go for them to win. Um, but uh, yeah, th- this year I did take a particular interest in how the Reds are going. Also, because if they won, then I could say I was part of a premiership winning uh, team. <laughs> <You> got close. <laughs> even, got though I close. Had, even though I had nothing to do with them playing the right comp. 
But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, the, the Tars have a, have a spot in my heart. You know, obviously growing up, always wanted to be them. Um, I grew up watching, you know, Fitzy play hooker for them when I was a yeah. kid and just, yeah, just loved it. And so that, that was well. always my dream. Yeah, Tarf, classic. Love, love the Tarf chop, the chop tackle. He's the king <laughs> of it. Yeah. Also the, the king of the concussion, but um, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's why he had the. I don't know how his. I don't know how his head is like still attached, and he has like a master's in IT or something like that. Very I, smart man. Yeah, yeah, he's just a very, very capable and intelligent person, despite the fact that he just knocks himself out like every second week when playing rugby. Yeah, although apparently he's um he has donated his brain to um to like a brain clinic, so when he dies, they're going to open him up and have a look and see what's happening. Wow. Ah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. He's been working quite closely with some brain doctors about that. Should be interesting to see. I don't know if yeah. we'll live to see it, but hopefully yeah. not. Not for a while. Not for a very long time. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why don't we shift now to actually? We didn't really speak directly about this, but what do you think are the positives that the Super AU season brought in a broader sense, rather than specifically just the Reds or the Tars? Yeah, it was pretty good to see. I mean, bar the, the poor force, like pretty good to see mostly like extremely competitive games actually i should say the force as well because at least in the first half they were extremely competitive if not ahead in a lot of the games um and so i reckon out of that surely we take a bit of confidence like it's better than getting tailed up by 100 um by the highlanders yeah. um, or the you know or the crusaders whatever like it, it brings some confidence back into rugby um you know i guess i guess we'll see how uh the we go on the biggest stage against the All Blacks. That's kind of this, this, the how the international rugby goes this year will, will kind of be the test as to how successful our comp really was. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, regardless of those results, I think overall it's pretty positive. Um, I think if we were allowed to have full crowds, you would have had some stadiums like the, the Queensland Reds, they packed out, you know, they sold out some of their games. So had there been unlimited seats, um, you know, or normal seating, they would have got, you know, almost as much, pretty much as much revenue as they would have in a regular season. Uh, and I think the other clubs, um, if it can, if they can, if it continues like this, people are going to want to go and watch. Like I always know I'm more invested and more interested in watching an Australian derby over yeah. Australia play South Africa or something, you know, like yeah. uh, when the super rugby was how it was last year, uh, yeah, if it was a South African game, I usually wouldn't watch it. If it was a, if we were playing against a New Zealand team, I'd sometimes watch it, but if it was Australian derby, I'd hundred percent watch it. Yeah. Um, and it's just because, you know, we, we care and uh, we know who all the players are because sometimes they change around. Um, and so I think yeah, if they stick at it and they keep this kind of mold, I reckon it could be something pretty special. Um, and yeah, I think the days of flying to South Africa are over. I don't think that'll happen anymore. Um, and even Japan, or possibly because it's somewhat in a similar time zone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I reckon confidence. I reckon the players got confidence and, and the team's got confidence to to really play some good footy. Um I know, uh, I know local industry uh, got a boost. Um, I spent a lot of time off at Terrigal and I think oh, the yeah. pubs and clubs there got quite a, quite a boost <laughs> from having the, uh, the rebels up there. Yep. Uh, the cafes sure did. I'm sure that the beer and some of the other pubs there did <laughs> Definitely. as well. Definitely. Um, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know. What, did you guys find any other positives? You guys have big ideas about it or? Mitchell, I'll throw to you yeah, whilst I, I'm thinking. The point that you mentioned around, um, around confidence, I think is something we've definitely spoken about. And I think I'm hoping that it proves to be the difference this year going into the Bledisloe and and the rugby champs in that for the first time in 10 years or however many years it's been, we've had um, an Australian team win something. So just the fact that we've had a trophy lifted at the end of the season 
and it's been a, it was achievable up until sort of the last round of the comp for three three or four of those teams mm. um really gave the the individual players the belief in themselves and they just weren't getting smashed week in week out so they didn't have this this dread that or this thought that I'm playing a New Zealand team, I have to lose. So I'm hoping that that carries across to the international stage and these guys, particularly the younger ones that have come through this year, who haven't faced too much New Zealand opposition, don't have that preset idea that we just have to lose because it's the All Blacks and just give it their mm. all and actually, you know, really stick it to them. And and keep in mind, this this generation coming through, they're the ones that beat the All Blacks in under-20s. Yeah, So exactly. like Tate McDermott, Harry Wilson, like that age group, they... Yeah, they beat them in, in the under-20s comp in Australia. Um, and so they're, they've got no reason to be disillusioned about, you know, our, our chances there. So, yeah, pretty pretty excited to see, you know, how that all pans out this year. Um, I totally agree. I mean, to answer your question for me, one of the things I was thinking about is the Super Rugby comp, having all the games at a time that's accessible means that we can just watch every single game that an Australian team is playing in every weekend. And you're not having to get up at 2 or 3 a.m. to watch a game against the Stormers. And, I mean, South Africa has gone north into the Pro 14 now, so there aren't going to be, most likely, any super teams, any South African teams in any super comp uh, next year or the year after. But, like, I know that Mitch and I and yourself, we're not the kind of regular or casual fan. We follow it pretty closely. But I'm pretty sure I can name almost every single super rugby player in the majority of the franchises because I watched... I think I watched every single game, nearly every single game of the Super Rugby AU competition. Because well, if you didn't accessible. watch all of them, you watched the the KO minis. So yeah, we yeah the KO yeah. mini. The podcast yeah, yeah, made yeah. you watch them. <laughs> that's true. I have to do the research. Um, I can tell my wife it's it's for the pod, babe. That's that's why I'm not doing. This <laughs> oh, thing. I've been using that for weeks. <laughs> Even when you're like just watching YouTube videos on your phone, oh, it's for the pod. It's for the pod. It's for the pod. Uh, <laughs> watching highlights from 2009. Exactly. Um, so yeah, what I think that's actually done is it's built at least within mine. And I feel like that's something that will grow within the fans appreciation of the broader Australian scene rather than just their own niche uh, club that they follow. And so my hope is that having definitely 2021, because uh, New Zealand have already confirmed they're just going solo for 2021. And so that means Australia will as well. Um, and it's probably going to be similar for 2022. That means we've got at least one, maybe two years where we have local comp where we can really just back and support our super level team uh, in a way that we haven't been able to do over the previous because of the travel requirements of Super Rugby. So I'm just excited for that. I'm excited to renew my membership and just get along to as many games as I possibly can because there are more to get to. Definitely. Yeah, I think the, the way they did it, that they spaced it out, one game Friday, one game Saturday. Um, like it was really, yeah, like me and my wife made a thing of it. Like, you know, we'd sit down and watch the game because there's only one, like the idea of kind of less is more. Like you, you make time, you go, yeah, we'll, we'll watch that game. Then we'll go out or we'll, watch, we'll go yeah. here to watch the game or something, you know, like... Yep. Um, because yeah, because I was a bit less, you, you you savored what you had. Yeah, and so yeah, really enjoyed watching the games. And I think yeah, I missed maybe one or two games the whole season. And I'm admittedly not actually that avid of a rugby watcher. I, I generally, you know, my wife kind of cares more about rugby more than I do. I just oh. like playing it. How and good! So, and even even I got around it. You know, I really enjoyed watching. I think yeah, a lot of positives to take out of it. Yeah, definitely. Well then, what are your predictions for the rugby championships? So obviously, well, Argentina have made their way over. They've, they'll be landing pretty soon. Um, South Africa are going to be leaving soon at the time of this recording. So yeah, it seems like it's all coming together. How do you think things are going to be tracking for the competition? Well, uh, my uneducated uh, 
predictions. Uh, as I just disclosed, I'm not a massive rugby nerd. Um, I, my wife is, and I actually less, I am less of. Um, I reckon I've, I've seen an article about how uh, the standard in South Africa yeah. wasn't as good as people expected. Yep. Uh, so I don't expect that they'll be unreal. Um, will they have their players? Because a lot of their players have been in the top 14 lately. Will they be coming yep. back to play? Most likely not. I think right. they um no, they, they're their not. competition. They're definitely not, Mitch. Yeah, because yeah, the teams that they announced last week for the green versus gold was the tryouts for ah, the rugby right. championship. Possibles, team. probables. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, and right. because well, they lose a lot of bubble. skill there. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they, I don't think they'll you know, be in a chance to win. I think the All Blacks will be very hard to beat. Um, but that's a pretty safe prediction. Um, <laughs> based on, you know, just the strength of that North versus South game, that was unreal. Yeah. Um, and, and they've just been over there playing each other. You know, it's like just, yeah, they're going to be very hard to beat. Um, I reckon we'll get close. I reckon we will lose. How many games are we playing a lot? Are we playing five or six games? Six. 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 I reckon we'll lose two. Uh, and I reckon we'll come second to the All Blacks. Uh, and I think it'll be Argentina and South Africa battling it out for third and fourth. For the wooden spoon. The yeah. wooden spoon, the glorious. It's spoon. a bit grim. I, I'd love to say I'd love to say that we'll win, but I'm just uh, I'm not sure. In our first year of trying out so many youthful players, I don't know. I don't know if we'll uh, be able to get the win. But I have confidence. I'm sure they do well. They're all great players. Yeah. I think that's part of our <laughs> thoughts. Is we're not inherently expecting to beat New Zealand yet because we're really at the start of a rebuilding process this year. Yeah. With the team, new management, new coaching structure, like new coaching team, um, a whole bunch of new players, and I think if we're competitive and putting good performances against the All Blacks, we beat Argentina, and I would expect us to beat South Africa because of We'd their lack to. of preparation. Yeah, because of their lack of preparation. Yeah. We've got to remember they're the world champions. So, True. of course. Yeah, but this could. isn't the world yeah. champion side. It's not, but there are some players who are still the world champions as well. It's, it's like, not the full world champions. It's side. like five of them or something. Um, so I just think, <laughs> yeah, I know, but dude, it's the same. The structures of the team aren't going anyway, to yeah, change yeah, yeah, inherently. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they are going to be good. They're just going to be underprepared and under conditioned compared to New Zealand and Australian teams. So yeah, beat Argentina, maybe sneak a win against New Zealand, maybe, um, and expect to beat South Africa, but I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe lose one game against them, maybe in the latter part of the competition, once they've had more conditioning time or playing time. Um, but we'll see. That's my yeah, I, I, um, I think, I don't think we're going to win either of these Bledisloes. Hopefully we come close. I don't. It's too. It's too big a task to go over there with a team that's just come together a few weeks ago and then and play them in New Zealand and and win over there. Um, but I really do think that this team will grow in the time that they're together from now into the rugby champs and the fact that it's being played on Australian soil as well. I think we'll beat the All Blacks. One of those two tests against the All Blacks will will win. Um, probably the one in Sydney because it will have been based there for the majority of that rugby champs. Um, and I, I think we will beat easily beat Argentina. And I think we've got the, the rub of, of against South Africa as well. We'll have to see. I mean, having some of the double headers will be awesome. So you can buy like one ticket and get to see two international games. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, I'll be there to get for all of them. Mate, yeah. I got to send, save my pocket money for that. I got, I got the spending money. I got to get going. Oh, I've been rough. saving for yeah. week. We've already got the group chats ready to go. Head into the Bankwest one, I think. Or one yeah. of them has a few there. Yeah, yeah, two, yeah. two at Bankwest. I'm keen for that. Yep. Yeah, it'll be cool. Yep. Should be very good. 
Well, why don't we wrap up the pod there, gentlemen? Um, I think we're basically done. And Ed, thank you so much for your time. We've gone yep. for a bit longer than expected. But that's always the case when we're chatting Just with people. Just cut it's out always... the crap. Nah, 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 keep it all, mate, keep it all. Um, (laughs) It's been a lot of fun. So look, I just want to say thank you again for coming onto the pod. Um, Mitch, any final words? Yeah, thank you for uh, giving your time to chat rugby with us and uh, we'd love to have you on again in the future. Hopefully next year we'll we'll be able to get you on and talk about your new super rugby contract. Oh yeah, (laughs) we'll see. Love your passion, lads, keep it up. Thank you, thank you. All the best, mate, and we will catch you later. Well, thank you for joining us. That is another episode of the Pick and Drive Rugby podcast finished for this week. Uh, we hope you enjoy this episode. And we, yeah, again, we thank you for joining us. We've got a big Bledisloe Cup game three coming up this weekend. I'm going to go out and I'll be out there supporting the Wallabies. So in my green and gold, Ando, you might be out there pending as of this time of Might the be out there. Leave pass, leave pass pending. Yep. We'll see how things go. <laughs> Uh, and yeah so we will have another episode out next Monday hopefully we'll record Sunday afternoon and um, yeah we'd love to hear what your thoughts were so let us know your predictions coming up into the into the weekend for the game and then let us know on Sunday what your thoughts were around that game uh, when the Wallabies I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal the score now um, I'm gonna re- reveal it early <laughs> no, I'm um yeah so no nah, that's that's everyone so thanks um thanks again for joining us everyone and hit us up on social media we would love to hear from you all anything else from you ando awesome no nah, i'm good mate i'm good it's been fun have a great week everybody and see you next week we'll see you up all next Wallabies. week and go gordon bye go gordon this weekend bye <laughs>